Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined of course by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And we are back to our regularly scheduled program. That's right, three episodes a week coming at you this week. We are finally back on schedule after taking a nice hiatus last week. Super, super thankful to Jacob flying all the way out here in two days, flying to Rapid City, South Dakota to help me pack things, get it all set. Then driving through the night, we stopped at like Butte in uh, Montana overnight, Sunday night, and then drove all through the, the rest of the day, got here in Moscow, Idaho on Monday, unpacked the truck, got everything set up, and he stuck around Monday and Tuesday to help me unload everything, we had to get like different pieces of furniture and go and get, you know, loose odds and ends. And then like two in the morning, he, we go to the airport and uh, where was that? Was that um, Pullman? No, not Pullman. Where? Spokane. Spokane, Washington. And uh, he, he flies out of there at like five in the morning. It was insane. So dude, thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. Um, wanted everyone in the audience to know what was going on last week. And uh, just also a huge shout out to my dude. Um, super helpful. So I am now in my uh, official location for hopefully the next year, at least if not two or three, who knows how long I'll be here, but no more changing of scenery every couple of weeks like I've been doing for the past three months. So it's nice to finally be able to settle in one place, set up shop, finally have my bookcase back up. And it's so nice to be surrounded by my books again. I cannot tell you how much I miss them. Jake was so lucky to have his bookshelf right there with him the whole time. <laughs> so, um, but thank you all in the audience so, so much for watching or listening to us today. Um, we got a lot to go through. So a lot of stuff's been happening. I mean, there's been the um, Trump indictments, which we discussed a couple of weeks back. There's been the infamous Trump mugshot that happened. And I'm sure you've seen that going around on Facebook. Everyone to this at this point, I'm sure has. But additionally, there was an event that happened last week. There was the uh, 2023 Republican um, debates. And I didn't watch them. Jake did. I was busy that night. I forget what happened. I've watched a lot of clips. Jake kind of watched them. <laughs> um, I actually, um, the person to give credit to is our head researcher. Uh, she watched all of it. Um, and then even so watched... Um, the Blazes uh, speak Coverage. about it. Steve nice. Dace being one of the best ones on it. Um, oh, yeah. So she has a lot of the information just retelling yeah. it to me and I'm giving it to you. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Yeah, I caught a lot of people's um, reviews after the fact. So like obviously Steve Dace commented on it and a few others, um, some of their opinions and perspectives. So that's kind of going on that. But then also I just watched quite a few clips from it. Some of the highlights um, but honestly, as I think we're going to discuss throughout today's episode, things are devolving. <laughs> mm -hmm. Things are just, uh, the caliber of leadership that we're being presented with. And I use the term leadership very lightly, <laughs> very loosely used term leadership, um, in especially the Republican party. There's a reason I'm not registered Republican anymore. Um, because Hey, it's just, it's the, the opposition party. They are just people who are set up against the demon rats, as my uh, grandfather used to call them. And um, 
it's that's just there there there's nothing really different about them from the other side. So we're going to be discussing that whole bunch of things, breaking down part of the debate, breaking down our perspectives on the candidates. And I hope by the end of this episode, uh, personally, I'm going to show my cards a little bit. There's one particular candidate I'm actually very, very excited about. And to be honest, it is, I believe he is kind of a blessing from God um, that we do have the opportunity to vote for him. I'm very ecstatic about the opportunity to vote for him. Um, I can't remember being this excited about a candidate in a long, long time. Um, but I'll be discussing that and hopefully convincing you by the end of this episode of why you should vote for him as well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, also at the end, Jacob was feeling very inspired, apparently, and just wrote a ton. And so his theological warm-up became the wrap-up of today's episode. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate him kind of taking the brunt of that load off of my shoulders this week, particularly just because of everything I've been doing, been so busy. So Jake is, I mean, dude, spearheading the whole thing today. So huge, mad props to you. Appreciate it, man. All your hard work. Um, so before we get into sound too rambly or disconnected. Oh, uh, I am positive. Like that. <laughs> well, I think you're owed a little bit of rambliness. Uh, given all that you've uh, you've already done. so. Um, but before we get into all of that, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week. Our verse this week, Jake picked this one out too. I know, he's leading the episode, leading the charge on this one today. Um, but the episode this week, verse this week, say episode for everything. The verse this week is Proverbs 11, verse 14. This verse reads, where there is no guidance, a people fails. I'm sorry, falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And again, that's Proverbs eleven fourteen. So there's a lot of things we're going to be discussing this throughout the week. Remember, we're back up to three episodes again this week. So Jake's got some stuff he wants to chat about on Wednesday. I've got some other stuff I want to chat about this verse on Friday. So I'm going to keep it brief, especially since the introduction today was kind of long. But um, where there is no guidance, people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. So in our, you know, political cycle today, a lot of times we're like, oh, who's the next best leader? Who's the, the one man that's going to bring us out of all of this? When in reality, we should be saying, okay, who is the man who's going to inspire us to wake up and get back to work? And that's why it's an abundance of counselors. It's not one man. It's not one person who's going to pull America out of its drunken stupor. It's not one man who's going to change the course of political history forever and completely fix all the problems. No, it's, it's Christians across the entire nation waking up, realizing the folly of how they've been living the past two centuries, century and a half, really, and ceasing and desisting, <laughs> saying, no, no, we're going we're to take this thing seriously. We're going to take our lives seriously. We're going to take the Bible seriously. We're going to talk amongst ourselves about how to structure our businesses as unto the Lord, how to structure our, our liturgy as unto the Lord, how to structure civil government, how to structure every facet of society as unto the Lord. Some people call that Christian nationalism. Other people just call it living a Christian life. <laughs> right? Um, so that is when things will stop going off the rails. No sooner. That's when, when we as a people turn, repent. So in an abundance of counselors, when hundreds, thousands of Christians, hundreds of thousands of Christians across the U.S. run for office, lead their businesses, lead their families, lead their churches, when men across the U.S. do that, 
There is an abundance of counselors. And there's what? There's safety, right? There is people who you can band together with to change the course of a society. And that can only be done through Christ, through the working of his Holy Spirit in the lives of all of those men. But it also takes action on their part. It's the fruit of the working of that Holy Spirit is restructuring the society around them. Yeah. Like people who have the true gospel can't help but live differently and restructure things and change the way they live. With that, I'll pass it over to you, Jake. I know you wanted to, what were you going to say? To add to that, the fact yeah. that men, all men are called to, by God, to be leaders of their own homes. Not it, You don't have to be a leader over businesses, over, over anything, but you are still a leader in your own home. You're at least that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you are called to be a good leader. Um, so hopefully that, and that is what I will be discussing in my theological wrap up. Uh, sounds weird, me saying that, but um, <laughs> uh, hopefully that will be good. Hopefully it will be de- decent. I am using scripture as my reference, so hopefully it will be good. But moving on to facts, let's talk about what is going on and the reason why uh, my theological wrap up is so pertinent. Um, is because of the the uh, Republican debates that occurred recently. Actually, it was on the day that I was coming back home. Uh, that was Wednesday, uh, this past Wednesday. Uh, for those who are current in most recent events, you will have heard or have seen yourself, uh, seen for yourself the Republican debate, right? And and that occurred on Fox News. Uh and I want to I want to briefly speak about what went on, uh, and who we think uh, did better than others um, during these debates. I would also like to talk about who actually should be leaders of our country, not just political leaders, but church leaders, family leaders, leaders in all things. And that's basically a synopsis as to what I want to talk about. But the Going on to the debate itself, the candidates who were debating, uh, for those who don't know, were Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Asa Hutchinson, Tim Scott, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, and Doug Burgum. A lot of those (laughs) names you probably don't know. Hopefully, the most notable ones and the ones you do know are the good ones. Um, Of course, there are some who did not join the debate. (coughs) Trump. (coughs) Uh, some of these names are more notable, and, and uh, but hopefully some of these names in that list that I mentioned before are more, not- more notable than others, mainly being Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Vivek Ramaswamy, and maybe Nikki Haley. I know I have heard that name before, even though I do not know the person. Uh, that's why I put her in there. Yes, it's a her, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> like Asa Hutchinson, I thought for the longest time was a girl. Right, he's right. not. I'm like, dude, change your name, please. <laughs> he was a governor, a governor of of Arkansas. Arkansas, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. These four, I think, are, are more known. However, only two do I think have a chance at getting through, uh, or a chance at least making it. Um, May I just say, I cannot believe Chris Christie is actually trying to run. Just like, dude, 
You're like Mike Pence. No one likes you. Larry Elder is <laughs> Why are you doing While this? I love Larry Elder. I I do not think that he is notable enough. He he was not in this debate, but apparently he is running for president. Um, I'm like, I mean, I it, if it were uh, like if it were between Chris Christie and Larry Elder, oh my word, Larry Elder, Larry Elder every freaking time. Like, can we get uh-huh. Christie out of there? Like, why is he there? <laughs> like, I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do believe Ron DeSantis is a very strong candidate. And he has a lot of experience uh, to back up his uh, his arguments. Mike Pence also has mainly has mainly name recognition, and really, he claims to be the Christian candidate, in my opinion, by <laughs> name only. Um, yeah. And then Vivek Ramaswamy seems also to be a favorite in the Republican Party. Those are three that I to some tie down. Yes. Yes. Uh, I would say for the most part, um, every person who comes off, uh, everyone who is looking for a religious um, candidate, they typically go to Vivek Ramaswamy because he... He's Hindu, I think. He is. He is. But he makes a lot of religious arguments. I know Hmm. a lot lot throughout the debate, he's saying that the, the American people need to go back to being a religious people. He, he literally says that throughout the debates, which while sounds good, right? And yeah. Basically, knowing what he believes and knowing right. some of his, you know, some of the things he would institute as president, I'm like, mm, I don't like that. He's just saying things. Yeah. It, and that is true. And I half, I half believe that he would actually institute religious things, but his religious things. Yeah. So he would ban the eating of meat. He would be okay with that because of its history. <laughs> um, now, I do think it is a tie between Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis. I will say that. And I want, and I do believe Steve Dace says a lot, says that. Out of the debate, uh, I know his takeaway was that the two strongest candidates were Vivek and uh, Ron, uh, was this was uh, Vivek and uh, DeSantis. However, I do want to, I for the sake of time, I do want to hand it over to Bruce um, sooner than I was expecting. But I would like to hand it over to Bruce to talk about Ron DeSantis a little bit. Yeah, cool, cool. I will take the next five minutes. I swear I won't go over that. Maybe less. Hopefully, I'll. Don't worry. Hopefully less. Um, trying to convince you that. Ron DeSantis is not only the best option, he's actually a really good option. And I'm going to do what he's not just he um, he's not just the uh, best of all the evils. Yeah, just the uh, least of all the evils. least of all evils. Yeah, no, he's not just the less of two evils. He's actually a really good option. Um, And I'm going to do what I think he should do more as a candidate on the floor when he's talking to people. Talk about his record. Like, I've listened to so many interviews with him. <clears throat> he brings up, like, half of his record. And I'm like, dude, dude, you've done, like, two, two to three times more than you are uh, giving yourself credit for here. Like, I don't like it when men brag. But, hey, if you're running for president and you've done some awesome stuff, like, come on, brag a little bit. Like, talk about some of these things. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want to do. 
I want to list one, two, three, four, five, six things. And these are just scratching the surface of some of the things he's done, but these might be some of the least known or some of the ones you've forgotten about over the years. Because he's been governor, I think, for two years, a little over two years. He's done a heck of a lot in two years. So here we go. Quote, Governor Ron DeSantis signed House Bill 7071, which provides more than $1.2 billion of tax relief for Floridians. I have a link for that. I'll have it in the description if you are interested. And basically, this is a tax break for parents who are buying diapers, strollers, and other things for their children. We talked about this last year on the show. That, to me, is insane. That tells me he gets it. He understands that the family is the foundational building block of society, and he wants to make it easier for families to be a family so that families can get strollers, diapers, all these things that they could get. What is he not doing? He's not giving them more money. What is he doing? He's taking less. That's the strategy right there. That's what we need. Now, I wouldn't be this excited about it if he were like, I'm going to give money, give stimulus checks to families so that they stay families. Nope. Sorry, dude. But this, this is in his power. This is constitutional. This is biblical. This is right. This is awesome. We need more of this. Um, Next, he signed a six-week abortion ban into law. Now, would I like it to be zero weeks? Absolutely. Should we ban the murder of human beings totally? Absolutely. But is this a step in the right direction? Also, yes. This is, this is great. I mean, it's good. It's a step in the right direction. We're not there yet. Like school choice, right? School choice is not the goal. We should get past it and say, no, no government schools at all. But school choice is a good step in the right direction. Okay, so six-week abortion ban. Uh, next, he banned vaccine mandates in his state, straight across the board. I mean, how cool is that? Civil government, Romans 13, Paul tells us, what are the two? It's a twofold responsibility. They are the justice division of society and they what? Protect the righteous. Protect the righteous. That's what he's doing here with this vaccine, uh, uh, banning vaccine mandates, protecting the righteous, protecting the people who care about the te- their body as a temple from, from God. They don't want to inject experimental chemicals into it. And they don't think that they should be forced to do that. And he's saying, no, you're right. Employers can't force you to do that. It's incredible. Okay. Uh, this is a big one. Huge, because this is still going on to this day. It's still a fight. He fought Disney, who disliked his bill giving parents control over what their children consume. And I'll link this bill in the description. This bill also, quote, prohibits the teachings of gender ideology in K to third grade and enables parents to sue school districts if the staff violates the law. End quote. Disney came under attack by pushing the, their dynamic, uh, den- I'm sorry, demonic Uh, woke agenda through their content and tried to attack the state of Florida via a lawsuit. And the response from the DeSantis government is incredible. It's just, it's incredible. And you can find that in the description. Okay. So there's that. He also signed a bill which uh, allows Floridians to sue big tech companies that censor their posts. Now this is new. This is a unique thing. Um, big tech companies like Facebook, Twitter, all of those, right? X, whatever they call it now, uh, Instagram, if they censor your posts and you're a Florida resident because of what Ron DeSantis do, you can now sue that company for what they did to you. But that's incredible. Not only, not only is he giving people a way out, he himself is not expanding the powers of the civil government. He's saying, this is in your hands. You can sue. And you have legal right to do so. 
Now it's up to the individual to take responsibility and do what they do best, should do best. It's amazing. It's another workaround for, from expanding civil government, but still doing the right thing. And then lastly, all of this pales in comparison to his stances on COVID-19. Now, COVID tyranny, he was on the wrong side for about three to four months. Then he flipped. He saw the data. He was on Steve Dace's show and talked about this. Realized it was a mistake. Apologized to his people. Said, nope, sorry. Sorry I did that. We're not going to do that any, anymore. And they haven't. And he's been tremendous on COVID tyranny ever since. So anyways, all of that and so much more is why I'm actually legitimately really excited to vote for Ron DeSantis because yeah. he doesn't just say things. He does things, right? And he's done even more than we could have asked him to do, in my opinion. He's been an incredible governor, and him as as president would be absolutely incredible. So there's my yeah. pitch, five-minute pitch. Take it away, Jake. <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people focus on the fact that um, they're looking for a candidate who can make it through and actually become president. They're not looking at his actual stats. They're not looking at what he actually does. They're instead yeah. looking at, can he make it through? Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter who he is or what he does, which is horrible. Can he win against uh, another person? Yeah. But who is on our side? Voting front. Yeah. If God is for us, what? Who can be against us? Yeah. We've forgotten that. We think it's all up to us. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. And this whole voting and the, the whole process should not be about who has the better chance to win but who makes the best leader? Amen. The position of president is one which leads the country in, in one realm. And I do want to bring that up. As we know from the Kyperian view of sheer sovereignty, the civil government is not the only government that needs a good leader. Other ones being the church, the, the family. And those, and that all stems from the individual. But let's first ask, what makes a good leader? Mm-hmm. I titled this section, The Children of God are the Leaders of Men. So before I get into this, I want to first preface that leaders have authority. A leader is one who tells people what to do in a, in, in a very general sense. Right? That's a very basic melted down version, um, very concentrated version there. The reason I preface this is because while doing research for this topic, I saw several articles and several other things, people saying that leaders don't have authority. If from a biblical sense, these were all Christians. Leaders don't have authority from a biblical sense or, or leaders have to love themselves first. Oh, dear. Yeah, I saw that one. That was very, very put out. Wow. And and so much more, so much other nonsense. So hopefully this will be a nice break in, in the pattern of unbiblical thought. So in light of that, let me first say that even God, yes, God has a hierarchy. God the Son submits to God the Father. I bring up John 5.30 which says, as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not, no, mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. God the Son submits to God the Father. There is a hierarchy, there is an authority. 
God the Father has authority of God over God the Son. Now, since hopefully that is enough, if if you need more, I do have more verses on that. Um, <laughs> but since hopefully that's enough for now, since I have shown why why authority is needed, or or in a sense that authority is a biblical ideal, what makes someone fit to be president of the United States or or leader of the United States? And let me show that by giving you, again, the only source of truth, the Bible. Hmm. Exodus 18.21 says, Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and, ha- and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. What if ruler of men... Uh, sorry. And, of course, the... the um. The crazy people out there have to ask, what? A ruler of men has to first be a slave to God? <laughs> but, and of course, they, they also would add, but that doesn't fit our current narrative of what of not have, wanting religion in government. The First Amendment says that we can make no law creating an establishment of religion. To which I have to say, ah, yes. But what we are advocating for is not make is not putting religion into law but making god's law law hmm. we have shown before that without god's word there is no morality so in order to have a just and good law you must have god's law that is a very very broken down and very summarized version of those arguments i do believe bruce and i have gone over an episode before talking about that um but hopefully just to try and put that together and make sure that there are no people in the comment section attacking me for not giving enough uh reasoning please go find a different episode because we have talked about this before um lastly i have so many more verses but for the sake of time i only want to show this last one um and yes this last one is First Timothy 3, 1 through 7. And it says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to, to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. So if someone does not, does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Hmm. Something I want to point out is the fact of a good leader is one who is not violent, but gentle. Before we have a misunderstanding and we interpret this wrongly, a pastor or leader is supposed. Uh, sorry, before we interpret this to be the fact, uh, and and what hippie Jesus people believe that a leader is supposed to be inclusive or open-minded, gentle <laughs> to the people's feelings. That might be true if you weren't, if it weren't for the fact that God gave us the perfect example of the best leader, His Son Jesus Christ. Hmm. Christ washed people's feet. He was gentle, kind, and a very slow-to-anger person. He was slow-to-anger. 
And if hippie Jesus people are right, we would just end there, but the Bible does not. Christ embodied righteous anger and called the Pharisees broods of viper, whitewashed tombs. Hmm. And if you think the examples end there, Paul refers to someone as donkey feces. And I am not using feces. I'm not quoting the scriptures when I say feces. It uses a different word. (laughs) So the language of the disciples and Jesus were not exactly the hippie Jesus, uh, not exactly what the hippie Jesus movement wants us to believe. Mm. However, back to being a leader, a good leader is one who not only is gentle and slow to anger, but he is one who stands up for truth against all odds. As Martin Luther said, peace, if possible, possible, truth at all costs. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Before the comment section uh, says that those are the requirements of the church, uh, because the verse before is Timothy, and at the end it says, how will he care for God's church, right? These are good, these are an example and requirements for a good leader. If they are good enough to be the leader of the church, then they are the lead, then, then, they can be the leader of the country. They first have to be a good leader of the church. Yep. The same way that a good church leader is one who is the leader of their household, a good civil government leader is a good leader of the church, therefore is a good leader of the, of the family government. So in a sense, it moves up the chains. And that is that is not for sure, but I would assume that that is a good idea that that we make sure that someone is a good leader of the church and then then they're a good leader of the nation. So pastors are the exact leaders we need for the office of president. As I said before in my title, the children of God are the leaders of men. Hmm. People who fear God, who are slaves to God, who follow God, are then able to lead men. That is what makes someone a good leader. And it's it's not just that. I I did give multiple other examples in the Timothy passage um, that there are multiple other requirements. But in order for you to love God and follow God, you must follow those requirements as well. So... That is where I want to end. I do not have a great ending for this. So hopefully this is sufficient. But um, yeah, yeah, I hope I hope that was good enough. Yeah, that's great, Jake. Thank you. We can forget a lot of times what the um, what exactly the list of qualities and attributes we should be looking for in a leader are. Forget what that list is and looks like. Um, and then people make the excuse, oh, we don't want to hire a pastor. Well, we don't have to just hire someone who's a pastor, right? I'm I'm not trying to hire, you know, elect my pastor for uh, president. I just want someone who can get jabbed in. And then uh, you have to remind them, oh, have you read Romans 13? Civil government is the what? Oh, the minister of God uh, for your good. Huh. Huh. Mm-hmm. Weird. 
Anywho, thank you all so, so much for watching or listening to us today. We really appreciate it. Hopefully you got some uh, stuff out of this episode and um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the debate. What do you agree about our takes? What do you disagree with us on? Uh, you can send those to trdshow at protonmail.com. We'd love to, to hear from you. Also, you know, of course, drop a comment if you're a podcast listener. Thanks. We appreciate it so, so much. Please share this episode with your friends, all the people you think would enjoy it, and give us a five-star review. That always helps. Check out our show website, drdshow.net. And of course, give some mad kudos to Jake in the comment section below for all the work he did. Super awesome. Thanks so much for that, Jake. We're very much looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday when we break down the final chapters in the book, The Horse and His Boy. And uh, boy, it's a doozy. So you don't want to miss that episode. Uh, so thanks again. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.